This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. God's Word and look at it, see what God has to say to us. You know, it's always exciting to find out what God says for us because here's the thing we need to realize. Whatever God says I can do, you know what? I can do it. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to study it. I don't have to think about it. I just have to act. Isn't that right? And that's really what faith is all about. Our life of faith is when God gives us direction, when God gives us instruction from His Word and leads us by His Spirit, all i got to do is act on it. And you know what? I found out when I do that, the most wonderful, marvelous things take place. Amen? But I find out when I hesitate, that gives doubt a chance to get in. Amen? If I think about it too long... When God says to do something, my mind gets in gear. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when my mind gets in gear, sometimes it's not a good outcome. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. We're talking about building for eternity, and we're kind of wrapping up our series here in February. And today we're talking about heavenly incentives. Let me just remind you what we've been talking about building for eternity, and that is this, that every one of us has a certain amount of limited resources, don't we? We all have a certain number of days and hours and minutes that God gives us to live on this planet. Isn't that right? We all have a, a certain amount uh, or, or certain types of abilities and, and, and talents that God has given us, certain giftings that God has given us, and we are stewards of that. And we are to use that. You know, I admire, like for instance, uh, our worship team, you know, they can play an instrument or they can sing. But you know what? That's not my, my gift. So rather than sitting down and saying, oh, uh, I wish I could do that, we find out what we have, what we've been given, and everybody's been given something. And we need to use that. And so we're talking about building for eternity. You know, many believers go through life heedless And they don't think about that all that they've been given, not only has it come from God, but we have a responsibility as stewards of all that God's given us to give back to Him. It's so easy to live a selfish life. It really is. It's easy to get wrapped up in what's going on in my life. It's easy to get wrapped up in, you know, making a living and paying the bills and raising the kids or, or going to school and writing the term paper or whatever it is at your stage in life. But we can get so caught up in that. But God says that He wants us to build for eternity. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. I believe and education, I believe, and in, in, in developing what you've been given. That's part of what we're talking about, but not just for myself. Turn over, if you will, to Matthew 25. We need to learn and, and get God's wisdom on how to allocate and use our resources. It's all about allocation, isn't it? You know, most of the, the, the political and economic debates of our day, whether you're living here or you're, you're living uh, in, in China or you're living in, in the EU or you're living in Africa, it's all about 
the allocation or distribution of resources, isn't it? That's what the big debate is all about. That's what all the policies are all about. That's why, you know, especially here, we're getting closer toward that wonderful time of year called tax time. But let's look at a heavenly perspective here where Jesus is talking in Matthew Matthew 25. Now, I'm not going to read all of this. You've got the scripture reference there. I'm going to read a portion of it for the sake of our time. But you remember here, this is one uh, one instance where he gave the parable about the talents or as it's translated here in my uh, uh, NIV, he talks about bags of gold. I like that because we can relate to bags of gold better than we could a talent. Because we think about talents, we think about, you know, can I sing or dance or am I a great orator? But, you know, in the, in the King James, when they were talking about talents, they were talking about a weight of gold, uh, you know, equivalency to uh, monetary value. Verse 14, again, it will be like a man going, he's talking about the kingdom of God, on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one according to his ability. God has given us, every one of us, some of his ability. Did you know that this is why, you know, we we oughtn't to say, okay, well that, you know, some people want to say, well, this ability is a worldly ability, or this is a secular ability, or this is that. Listen, the Bible doesn't divide between secular and what we call holy or Christian, all abilities that we've received, even people who are not saved, it came from God. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Whatever abilities you've got, whatever talents you've got, that came from God. And he said, this is what the kingdom of God's about. And the first thing we need to do, if we're going to build accurately and, and use our, our resources and allocate them wisely, is to recognize who, where did they come from? See, here in America, we're very much about private ownership. And we take that over into the kingdom, and we take it to the extreme. Private ownership means this, I'm the owner, it belongs to me, and I can do with it jolly well what I please. And if you don't like it, it's tough. I can live why I want to live. I can use my money the way I want to. I can use my time the way I want to. I don't have to think about anybody but me if I don't want to. Awful quiet in here. But that's not the kingdom of God. He says, you've got to recognize if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and even if you're not this morning, I want to remind you that all that you have, your very life and breath came from God. So he says, he's given that to you. And he said, you know the story here. He said, the one man went. And what did he do? Not the first man. What did he do? He took a risk. He took a risk. Listen, anytime you venture out, doesn't matter what it is, what ability or talent God's given you, when you begin to do something, you purpose you're going to do something with it, you have to take a risk. The Bible calls that for us as believers, faith. It's a risk when you step out in faith. Amen? There's always a risk there. If if there wasn't a risk, it wouldn't really be faith. Because, I mean, if you couldn't fail, if you couldn't miss it, 
And so we take a step of faith, just like this guy did. And he says he went out and he did something. He took a risk. He, he invested it. He used it in some manner. And he doubled it. Wow. See, a lot of people, they're so risk-averse that they think, well, you know, I, I don't want to risk anything because I might lose it. But you also might double it. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? And, it, you know, it's, the master said, well done. The one who had been given to, he did the same thing. And did you notice that the master said the same thing to the one who had the two who was faithful as he did with the one who had the five? See, we think sometimes, oh, if I just had the ability of so-and-so or, or this person or that person, you know, it would be great. But God says, you will get a reward if you'll just use what he's given you. What has he given you? And that's a starting point, isn't it? Not only to recognize that it's from God, but what has He given you? Have you ever taken an assessment to look at the abilities and the talents that God has given you and how they're being used? Now we get on down to the guy who's been given one. Now notice, the one who'd been given one, he didn't have as much ability as the one who'd been given five or two. And we see the wisdom of the master here too, don't we? He didn't give this guy five. And when we see the end result, we know why. Because he said, master, he said, I knew. And man, this, it's unfortunate, but this is a lot of the world's and even some Christians' view of the heavenly father. I knew you to be a hard man. Requiring more than you've given Reaping where you haven't sown. I mean, man, he would just look at his view of the master. And he said, so I just went and dug a hole and put it there. Now, here's what you had. What did he call him? He said, you're wicked. Wow. Boy, that's, that's, that's strong, isn't it? But see, the, why didn't God give him five <clears throat> or even two? Because what? The man wasn't going to do anything with what he'd been given. And see, a lot of people want to prosper. They want to prosper intellectually, prosper relationally, prosper financially, or in other ways. But listen, if you don't take and do something with what you've been given, if you're not uh, using your resources for something for the kingdom of God, doing something to develop it, God's not going to give you more to stick in the hole. <laughs> Why, what, what, what wisdom would that be to give you something when you're not going to? And in my translation, he called him not only wicked, he called him lazy. Hello? Lazy. See, we can use excuses, and a lot of times our excuses are just an excuse to hide our laziness. It takes effort to develop your abilities, doesn't it? Whatever they may be, it takes effort. It takes time. It takes investment. It takes resources. Amen? You're right there, Matthew. Look at Matthew 6. We're talking about building for eternity. You know, <clears throat> I know a lot of people that they are more diligent, work harder, and more focused on their retirement than they are for building for eternity. Who got to make sure? Nothing wrong with that. 
Plan for your eternity. Plan for your retirement. But I want to tell you what, that's not tops with me. I read over there, I found a promise of God over there. He said, even in your old age, he said, I'm going to take care of you and sustain you. I thought, thank you, Jesus. Got my retirement right there. Amen. 7,000 promises in the Word of God. Given by an omniscient, loving, heavenly Father. Omnipotent God. Hallelujah. Notice Jesus says, verse 19, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Uh Uh-oh. Where moth and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. We would just say, you know, where the market is volatile. Anybody got any investments in the market? You know what a, what a crazy ride it's been this last year, hadn't you? Woo-hoo. I mean, you know, one month we're like, hallelujah, look what, how much we've gained. The next month is, ooh. Everything we're laying, we lost. But that's the way it is in this world, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you invest your money and everything, but it's not certain. Nothing is certain. That's good that you're planning. But listen, I would rather invest in the kingdom of God because he's about to tell us. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How do we do that? We take and recognize all that God has given me. Natural resources, spiritual resources, all the finances God's given me. I'm going to invest that in eternity in the kingdom of God. He says, where thieves can't break in and steal. He said, for what? Where your treasure is, there's where your heart's going to be. So here's the thing. How do we go about allocating our resources? How do we go about allocating our resources? What are we, what are we using our resources on? We need to look at that, don't we? Ma, listen, we believe this, that God is not averse to you prospering. Are you listening? But I want to tell you something. I've found that our prosperity, you know, needs to be based in a right understanding of allocating our resources. Because you can be selfish and prosper for a a time. But listen, if you want to prosper in God, you need to learn to put the kingdom of God first, to put His His gospel first you put his will first you put what he wants first above what I want hello we can always tell exactly you notice that all these I've read about so far what is God talking about here m-o-n-e And you know, that's the thing we get the most uncomfortable about in church. I'll tell you, I don't like when them preachers talk about money. Well, you don't like Jesus, I guess. I mean, I read over there one time where Jesus stood right there by the treasury and watched everybody as they gave. Whoa. Well, I'll tell you what, Pastor, you handle the spiritual stuff and we'll take care of the money stuff. (laughs) he said where your treasure is there will your heart be also that's the reason a lot of people don't want to hear about money in church because that's where their treasure is 
And we know that because we can look and see, see at your giving, how much you value the kingdom of God. Amen. Woo, close the doors quick. <clears throat> so allocating my resources, is it God first or is it me? See, God, God doesn't ask for everything you have, but he says, put me first in what I have asked of you. See, I like to make God first in my day, first in my decision-making, first when, I, when, I, when, I, when I'm making a decision about a thing, first when I consult God. I'm going to go to God in prayer. Every time I'm facing a decision or every time I'm facing a need or every time I'm facing something, you know what? I'm, I'm going to talk to God first. I'm not going to, you know, I'm looking to God first. So what does God say about this? What does God's word say about this? What, is Jesus, what did Jesus say about this? That's what I'm looking at. That's what he's talking about. See, God doesn't want all that you have. He just wants you to be willing to give all that you have. And the, the best way I know to determine that is by who do we put first? See, we believe here with our finances, we believe in tithing. Proverbs calls that the first fruits. It all belongs to him. Doesn't it? If you don't know that, you need to go back, you know, you need another dunk. In the fountain. In the blood. You you need to revisit your salvation because I'm telling you what, if if you're saved and you know it and God, you want to put God first in everything in your life, don't you? Absolutely. So how are we allocating our resources? And that includes not just money, that includes our time. Because listen, time's more valuable than money. You might get some more money, but you're not going to get no more time, honey. Yesterday's gone. You don't get it back. You You can't go to the time bank and buy some more time. So time is very important. What are we doing with our time? You know, I'm not as young as I once was, but I remember when I was young, you know, you think, you know, it's all out ahead of you. You've got, man, I've got all this time. Man, I've got plenty of time, but I'm going to tell you what, before you can turn around, all that time you thought you had, it's been spent. And so, you know, I want to make sure that I invest in eternity. That when I allocate my resources, my time, my talents, my treasure, what God has given me, that I put God for, but that I, I put it all on the altar. And the only way I know to do that is what? Is if I put God first. He didn't say, put all your money in the offering plate. He just says, put the first part of it. He didn't say, you got to give me 24-7 of your day. He's just saying, give me the part that belongs to me, the first part. Amen. Amen. I use my talents and my gifts to serve God. Hey, it's a sacrifice. Come on. See, we're we're such a feel-good people anymore. We only want to do it if it feels good. Oh, well, you know, I didn't feel led. Well, stop feeling led and start being led. Because if God said do it, feelings will come and go but if God said do it we do it if God says pray I'm going to pray if God says seek his face I'm going to seek his face if God says worship I'm going to worship if God says give I'm going to give 
I know this is simple, but this is where this is what Christianity is all about. So is it investing or spending? What are we going to do with our resources? If we put God first, there's an investment that we're making. If we put ourselves first, it's only about spending. This is true in the natural, isn't it? You can you can spend all your money or you can invest some of your money. You can spend all your time just having a good time or you can invest your time in yourself and develop your abilities. Isn't that right? You can develop a skill. You can develop your intellect. You can develop what God's given you. Are you going to invest or are you just going to spend? Do you know... I think the, the national debt now is $2 trillion. That tells you where our culture's at, doesn't it? And you know, and you know what we, do, we keep doing every time a new Congress comes in and a new budget? We kick the can down the road a little further. You know, I told you, Cindy and I, we, we've lived uh, abroad as missionaries uh, when we were younger, and we were in a couple of different countries who had hyperinflation. Well, if you've ever, I don't know if you, thank God we haven't experienced here yet, but there's certain economic laws that you cannot get around. And we lived in the countries that they tried to do that, that they spent more than they had. And you could take one of those countries we lived in, you could take a $100 bill in your hand, you could take it to exchange, and you had to take a small little, like one of these tote bags to get the, the money uh, of that country in. 10,000% inflation. Wow. And see, that, that, that's, that's an inversion that works against us. And see, you can go that way for a while, for a while, for a while, but sooner or later, you cannot defy natural law or spiritual law without there being a cost. And see, a lot of Christians, this is what they do. Now, that that was speaking of uh, money and economics, but we, we start taking our time and we just we just when every free moment we spend it on ourselves and we have a good time and we relax and we do all this and we do all that we never invest in ourselves we never invest spiritually in ourselves then when the moment of crisis comes we wonder why we can't get our prayers answered why can't I get this breakthrough that pastor's talking about and I read it in the Bible because honey you haven't invested anything you're living in an inversion You know, in the natural, when you go a long time with spending more than you, you bring in, there's a, a word for that. Eventually, you reach a place called bankruptcy. A lot of bankrupt Christians spiritually. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I know this is not something you shout about, but this will help you. With all your wisdom, get understanding, Proverbs says. So we're talking about heavenly incentives for building for eternity. So we need to maintain our perspective, don't we? Look over in Colossians real quickly. It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. It's so easy to get out of balance, whether in our natural life or in our spiritual life, And I hate to have to differentiate those in church, but we have to. 
Because who made our bodies? So why do we act like, you know, there's the secular and there's the, there's the holy and there's the natural and there's the spiritual? I mean, there is, but all of it belongs to God, doesn't it? The Bible says that our bodies are the temple of God. So all of it belongs to Him. But it's about our perspective. Look here in Colossians 3 verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things where? And what did Jesus just say? Where your treasure is, there where your So if my treasure is in heaven, if heavenly things are paramount, if God and His kingdom is number one, then that's where I'm going to set my focus and my attention. Well, I know some Christians, if, if they would just turn it around and if they would just focus one year on their cultivating and developing their spiritual life as much as they have their career or something, I'm telling you, they would be remarkable. It would be amazing. He said, have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I know some people, the only time they think about churches when they pull in the driveway on Sunday morning. They don't think about God. They don't think about Jesus. They're busy. Well, pastor, you know, I'm not like you. I got to make a living. I know I get all my utilities for free. Mortgage is free. Food's free. (laughs) So it's all about our perspective. It's perspective, isn't it? Are we saying, oh, you shouldn't work, you shouldn't have a job, you shouldn't save? No, I'm not saying that. It's about perspective, though, isn't it? What comes before one? (laughs) Zero, yeah. But first, there's not, in in the cardinal, there's nothing before first, is there? If we put it first, first is first. So we can say and sing Jesus is Lord and we put him first, but we put ourselves first. What I want is first. What I'm going to do is first. How I use my money is first. How I invest my time is first. Whether or not I feel like coming is first. Well, pack them in with that, won't you? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. As your shepherd, listen, I love you. You know, and, and those of you that come here regularly, you know, I, I, I preach that God wants to bless you. God, God's got great things. He's got a great plan in store for you. But listen, we got to get this down. We got to get this right. You know, if God says he, to put him first, I can't tell you to put him second. Because I'm going to stand before God just like you. And I, I don't want him to say, well, you, why didn't you? Why didn't you tell them? Well, Lord, I was afraid somebody would leave. You know, because nowadays church is about feel good. It's gotten into the church too. We want to go somewhere where they entertain us and make us feel good. God says, I want a people who will grow up and are willing to put me first and sacrifice. 
So we need to understand this. Look over in one more scripture here real quickly. First Peter. I've got to start closing here. First Peter. Let's look in First uh, Peter 1 verse 4. We'll back up to three for context. Praise be to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what we were singing about, isn't it? And, everybody say, and. and. I mean, if He stopped right there, that'd be good enough, wouldn't it? I'm glad to be saved. If God didn't do anything else, if God hadn't promised to do anything else, I'm telling you what, being saved, having my sins forgiven, going to heaven, missing hell, I'm telling you what, that's something to shout about every day. But he said and. And is a conjunction, is it not? And into an inheritance. Woo. I like that word inheritance, don't you? An inheritance that can never perish. It keeps its value. Wow. The promise of God, it keeps its value. It keeps its value. That will never perish, spoil, or fade. Listen, God's got a reward and an inheritance laid up for you. And when you get that thing, whoo. How awesome it will be. We're going to look at a little of it as we close here. How great it will be. And he says here that the joy of it, the blessing of it, will never fade. You know, you get that bonus at work. Hallelujah. It's good, but, you know, ain't long it's gone. You buy that new car, boy, that new car smell, man, it's nice, isn't it? But pretty soon, it's got other smells in it, doesn't it? But he said this one won't fade. He said this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Some of y'all need to believe that. You know, how can you be depressed if you believe this? How can you go around with a long face when you believe this? Listen, you know how long eternity is? It's a good long time. (laughs) Wow. This is our inheritance. It's about maintaining perspectives. Let's talk about some eternal returns real quickly. Did you know that in the scriptures, there are at least five crowns mentioned? Now, I can't get into these because my time's up. I'm going to mention them. I'm going to give you a quick scripture reference that you can look them up for yourself. The first one's called a crown of righteousness. 1 John 3, 3. You can read about that. The second one's called a crown of life. This is for those who persevere even through suffering. You can see that in Revelations 2.10. There's an incorruptible crown for those who've disciplined their lives as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 9.24. The crown of rejoicing. This is a soul winner's crown. For those who love the lost, pray for the lost and win the lost by word and example. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. There's a crown of glory given to faithful shepherds and leaders who lift up 
their, and those who lift up their hands in support. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. So there's five crowns there that you can earn. He said, this is, this is part of, the, of your reward in heaven. And if you've ever read there in Revelations where it talks about that great throng and the, and the elders and all there before worshiping the throne. You ever read that over there in Revelations? And it says at one point in their worship, they all bow down and they what? They cast their crowns before the throne. I don't want to reach up there and all I got is a bald head. going to be part of worship in heaven I can't participate in because I was all wrapped up in myself the queen's crown queen of England the crown is adorned with 2,783 diamonds 277 pearls 18 sapphires 11 emeralds 5 rubies but it pales in comparison to any of the crowns that God has laid up in store for his faithful people. Let me read you something here. I mean, give me just a couple of more minutes here, okay? Look over in Revelations. Let's look over there. Revelations. Let's look in uh, chapter 21. I want to give you some insight here. That's just going to just, man, I'm telling you. If, it, if, you, if you don't, no, nothing happens when you read about this and, you know, your wood's too wet. <laughs> Revelations 21, 16, he says, The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. That's about 1,400 miles. That's about the distance from here to Phoenix, Arizona, give or take. That's a pretty big city, isn't it? And he said, in length and as wide and high as it is long. 1,400 miles up. How'd you like to have a balcony on the top floor? That'd be some view, wouldn't it? Whoo! Wow. <clears throat> he said, verse 18, the wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold. As pure as glass. You know how much gold it would take for a city? 1,400 miles cubed? That's a lot of gold. And you think he's going to struggle to pay your light bill. (laughs) The foundation of the city was, was decorated with every kind of precious stone. Jasper, sapphire, agate, emerald, onyx, ruby, chrysolite. Beryl, uh, topaz, turquoise, jacinth, and amethyst. The 12 gates were made of 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. And the, the great street of the city was pure gold, as pure as translucent glass. You know, if this city was, was in Europe, it would stretch from England all the way over to Moscow and Russia. And boy, millions of miles of road, all paved with gold. And you think God's worried about your little need. Come on. He can meet it. This is where we're going to be spending eternity, saints. 
And you're worried over your 401k. <laughs> Listen to this. <clears throat> if, if, this, if this built on a grid, there uh, in one mile intervals, get, get this. There would be uh, 150 million miles of road. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. Did you know there would be room for nine quadrillion rooms, 30 by 30 by 30? Now, let me give you a perspective about what, nine, what a quadrillion is. A quadrillion is a million billion. A quadrillion is 10 to the 15th power. Now, they estimate that including the 7 billion that are alive today, that there's only been 107 billion people who've ever lived. So I think there's going to be plenty of room. This is what we're talking about. This is the city of God that Abraham was looking for, that, that the saints who, who died were looking for, those who, who suffered were looking for. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Now, my challenge to you is, what do you believe? Maybe you should dwell on this a little bit more instead of on what the economy is or is not doing. I found out through the years a lot of things that that tempted me to worry about them. I mean, I found out, you know, in the long run, they were almost nothing. Most of them, we can't even remember what it was we were all upset about. But this is forever. And isn't it wonderful that God has invited you and I to be a part of it? He's invited us to be a part of it. So I want to ask you in closing, what are you investing in most? The eternal or the temporary? What are you doing with the assets God's given you, the abilities, the time, your treasure? And then finally, where's your true retirement home? Nothing wrong with planning for retirement. Don't go out here and say, well, Pastor Dorr said we shouldn't plan at all. for." I did not say that. I said that should be second, not first. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that we put it in the right perspective, that we trust God here and there, but there's where I've got my, my focus on. When it comes to, if, I'm, if I have a choice between investing here and investing there, there's first. If I have a, sure, uh, a choice of investing in God and what He's doing or in myself, He's, he's going to be first. He's going to be first. We're talking about building for eternity. What are you building? Would you bow your heads a moment? Father, as we think about and focus on the core of this message this month, it's been about perspective. It's been about where our heart is. 
what motivates us. It's been about our attitudes, whether we see ourselves as owners or whether we see ourselves as stewards. Father, I pray that we truly, each one of us, will give this prayerful and deep consideration. And we will personally and privately before you evaluate how we are using our resources. Thank you, Father. Give us wisdom. Lord, we want to we do what is right. We want to be faithful. We want to live this life in light of the next life. Just for a moment, if you would keep your heads bowed for a moment longer. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, that is, you don't have a, a personal relationship with God by putting your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. Listen, I want to invite you this morning. The Bible says that God has offered salvation to all men. It is a free gift. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do everything and get your life all in order. No, God says, just like you are, you come to Him in faith, believing that Jesus has already paid the price for you. The Bible says that Jesus died, the godly, the righteous, for the ungodly and the unrighteous. And that if we will open our heart, believe on Him, and ask Him to save us, He will. I want to say a prayer with you. I'm not going to ask you to to do anything or say anything, but I want to pray for you. If you're here and you say, Pastor Norris, I want a relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, I know I'm saved, but, you know, I'm not as, my relationship with God is not where it ought to be. Pray for me. Include me in this prayer. Would you just, while heads are bowed, would you just put your hand up just for a moment so I can see it? I'm going to include you in this prayer. Thank you. I see it. Anyone else? Thank you. I see it. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Father, you see the hands that were raised, and more importantly, you see the heart. And right now, those of you who raised your hand, you just call on Jesus. Don't worry about, you don't have to worry about how beautiful your prayer is, just be sincere and say, Father, I call on you now. Jesus, I believe right now in you as Savior and Lord. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. I want to be a a follower of yours. I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that I belong to you. God, I thank you. You said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Know this, as you call on him now, you shall be saved. Thank you, Father. Thank you for those, Lord, who raise their hand. And Father, if they're away from you, I thank you that you are the God of the second chance. Lord, we return back and find that Father's arms are open wide to forgive us, to receive us, and to restore us back into right fellowship. Thank you, Father. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name. Can you say amen, saints? Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.